for ETFs, what you don't pay for is exactly what you get. And the fees should be the first and most important technical attribute of an ETF that you should look at. I consider 0.2% is on a lower end of my acceptable range and 0.5% is on a higher end. And I'm pulling those numbers out of my ears. But anything higher than 0.5%, I will really think twice before I buy. And we are live. So on today's show, we have Mickey Huyen. Uh, Mickey is a passionate investor and has her own YouTube channel aimed at educating her audience on finance and investing. So, so great to have you on the show today, Mickey. Hi, George. Thanks for having me. I, I do talk a lot, so please bear with me here, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Pleasure's all mine. Pleasure's all mine. So, uh, Mickey. Uh, can you take us a little bit in your background? Like I've seen a lot of your YouTube clips and I'm a personally, I'm a big fan uh, myself, um, but I'm curious a little bit about your background and, you know, you seem like a um, career woman. Can you take us through how you came to be passionate about investing and finance? Okay. Um, uh, before I tell you my life story, um, mm -hmm. I want to start with a cheesy quote. <laughs> yep. I love quotes. Mm -hmm. It's not about where you've been. It's about where you're going. And who quoted that? It's Usher in the song <laughs> DJ Got Us Falling In Love featuring Pitbull. Yep. Right. Awesome song. If you haven't listened to it, you should. Uh, okay. Yep. <laughs> now, <laughs> where was I? Um, oh, okay. About I think it's also a Backstreet Boys song, isn't it? <laughs> Was it? Okay, I didn't it? know who started that quote, but yeah, well, I, I love it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Usher, Backstreet Boys, yeah, one of them. Maybe I should um, listen to that song too. <laughs> All right. Well, um, yeah, so about me, uh, as you can tell by my accent, I was not born in Australia, but I live here now and I'm calling it home. Beautiful country and people. I love it. I started off um, coming here doing Bachelor of Commerce Marketing in Macquarie Uni in Sydney. So um, after graduating, I was sort of floating around, working casually here and there for a while. And now I'm working in healthcare, just like you are. And um, I have another enlightenment. I enjoy looking after people. Yeah, I enjoy the honesty of the industry, um, the healthcare industry, that is, uh, is, is forthright, is for the benefit of the people. And I wish the financial industry can also have a degree of transparency and selflessness that the healthcare industry is characterized with. Um, that's why I started my YouTube channel, to hopefully help as many people make their financial decisions in a similar manner with the healthcare industry. Presented with information about investment options, people should be able to make the best informed decisions for themselves. And that's what yeah. I believe. And I think people appreciate that. You know, people can see through it and, um, 
you know, they know when you um, are, you know, telling the truth mm. um, or whether you're trying to, um, you know, tell them something with a you know, particular angle on it. So, mm, yeah. Um, so yeah. the thing I'm very concerned about YouTube is that uh, I don't think there's a lot of regulations going about regulating how financial advice should mm, be sure. and shouldn't be structured on yep. a YouTube video. So disclaimer and everything and all you like, but um, at the end of the day, uh, you might have said something wrong that, yep. you know, that could trigger some sort of legal issues and worries me a little. Like yep. I'm just sharing my personal experience yep. and I try to make it clear, but then people could take it the wrong way and True. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Gotta it, be it very just, careful. Yeah. I only have like what two hundred subscribers now. So yep. I don't think it's a big issue, but later on if I get a lot of subscribers, I might have to consider that. That's true. Yeah, I, I feel the same way. Like, just got to be so careful and mm. um, say things that you're sure about. If you're not yeah. so sure, then just don't say it. That's you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. A careful thing. But uh, yeah, we live in a funny age where, like you said, there's so much information on YouTube. Some of it which is gold, and mm. some of it which is uh, you know not that good. Mm. And um, you know, the, uh, people have access to so much information online. But it's kind of like it's up to them. Um, to have that filter and decide what's true for themselves. So yes. it's kind of like it's empowering, but it's also can be dangerous as well. Like the, yeah. the, the age we live in, like just access to so much so information um, more than ever before. So mm. yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I think that's absolutely true. And you, there, there needs to be a degree of critical thinking for yep. everybody who listens to anything about anything on the internet. Yep. Yeah, Completely just agree. just gotta be careful. Just gotta be Completely careful, agree. especially if it has anything to do with your money. Then yeah, yep. <laughs> absolutely so gotta true. be careful. So true. Mm. Uh, so Mickey, um, you know, one of the key themes for this podcast is uh, financial independence. You know, mm. everyone has sort of you know a different view about it. You know, even though it means different things to different people, mm. it's good for everyone to have some uh, understanding of financial independence. Mm. And I was curious, you know, what um, what the term meant for yourself. Mm, yeah, um, interesting that because, well, what started my investing journey um, was the movement, um, yep, financial yep. independence. And I think, I'm not sure whether I'm allowed to say the word on the podcast, or the, the, the pandemic. <laughs> I can't yeah, say yeah. that, right? Okay. Because yeah. on YouTube, for some reasons, that you're not allowed to really? say that. I, I don't know oh, what really? happened there. Maybe okay. you'd get demonetized, but I don't care. I'm not monetized. So, um... Yeah, hopefully hopefully <laughs> this podcast doesn't get cancelled, you know. <laughs> Just starting off. Oh, that would be a bummer. We'll find that, out. We'll yeah, find out. <laughs> that would be just a chat between me and you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, for me, the financial freedom movement is what interests me in the first place um, to start my financial journey for saving for financial independence. And, um, well, for me, um, so the process of investing is started with an itch that needs to be scratched. I, I love, or not love, but I enjoy the company of the healthcare professionals that I work with. Um, I like going to work as, you know, like that. I can't say the same for a lot of people. So for me, it's the winner. I found a job that I enjoy that also gets me paid. But then 
again, is is still a job. And you can't just go to work when you want and stay at home when you feel like it. You know, there's time constraints there. And I think it's the truth for most professions out there. It does not matter how much you love it. Once there are obligations and constraints, it becomes less enjoyable. So that's what got me into investing to be able to get more freedom in my life. So I started investing about eight years ago. I was very interested in the idea, but I was not very interested in finding how how it worked. After all, it was the promise of money that drew me in. So, but I have always been a risk averse person, luckily. So I didn't do anything stupid. Um, Penny stocks had about the same allure to me as dishwater would. Gotcha. So so I bought Australian blue chip stocks, thank God. And I have been keeping them ever since. Gotcha. Now that I'm, yeah. Um, older and hopefully wiser I'm more into index ETFs but we'll get to that in a bit um, yeah yeah and it's yeah. good to hear that you start off with that goal because some people um, read about financial independence before they start investing and other people start investing just to you know grow the wealth in general before they you know um, have a goal as specific as financial independence and um, I always think like you know in retrospect that you know, understanding financial independence first can be empowering because like, Mm. you know, once you have that goal to focus on, you're trying Mm. to reach not infinite uh, Mm. net worth, but you're trying to reach a certain realistic amount of net worth and passive income, then it Mm. keeps you on track. Mm. And it means that, you know, you, you start to recognize that you don't have to you only need to get to that figure once in your life. You know, mm. you don't have to gamble and go back and forth in your net worth. All you have to do is build it up slowly and reach it once mm-hmm. and then no one can ever take it away. Yeah. So um, it's it's uh, good to hear that uh, that you had that. And I think that's probably what, you know, made you sort of stay on track a little bit instead of, you know. Yeah, you not going like gung-ho and <laughs> just spend all my money on penny stocks. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And um, on the subject of financial independence, um, you know, income is an important factor. Savings is also uh, a very uh, important aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that you have a lot of tips uh, that you uh, can give online about savings mm. um, that you've already shared on some of your YouTube clips. Mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could share some of those tips with us. So, you know, what um, you found to be, you know, some of the really strong uh, savings levers that uh, people can pull um yeah, that they might not have considered. Yeah, uh, well, yes, um, savings. So I, well, usually when people think savings, I don't know if it's most people, but it's just me. When I think savings, I think for emergency, savings for emergency. So when I do save, um, I save for the emergency. But otherwise, I would invest that money. I'm not you know, uh, unless it's, it's for a house, then you have a goal to achieve. But um, yeah, it's either for a goal or for an emergency fund. So I think that an emergency fund is a fundamental part of anyone's budget. You gotta have it. Life happens and there will be times where you need your cash right there ready for immediate access is there to cushion any financial blow you might get because they happen more than you think so the best defense is a 
would offense. The emergency fund is a form of defense for your financial health. And the offense would be getting rich, starting a business, buying stocks, and so on. So mm-hmm. take care of your financial defense first, then start the rest later. So true. Yep. Mm-hmm. The first first uh, rule of investing is don't lose money, right? So it's like once you, yeah, I completely agree. Yeah, yeah. You need to have money to, you know, to make money kind yep, of. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So true. And um, is there areas of your life that you um, found to be particular, if particularly effective? Like um, I know in some of your clips you detailed like um, when you get, when you eat out, you know, you can eat lunches with friends instead of dinners. And mm. that, you know, I, I found that that's um, lunch, the lunch menu is completely different, right? So it's much cheaper than the dinner menu. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> it's the biggest star. That's true. It's like the biggest yeah. rot, isn't it? Like it's. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing. And a lot food. of people might not realize that. Yep. Because um, well, they just like to go out for dinner because it's their free time, it's after work, or they maze are out. So they go for dinner, not thinking that ugh, paying like 20 bucks extra. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not a miser, but, you know, I'm conscious. And yeah, it's, it's the thing that most people overlook. Well, for me, I save most money on not going out. I don't. Yeah, I don't. I like to hang out at home, invite my friends over to my home or go over to their house. Um, yeah, I'm cheap. I don't know. That way. But it's good. Yeah, if, smart. <laughs> <laughs> but if I do, I do go out, then I'll go out for brunch and lunch instead yeah. of dinner. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I completely agree, especially if it's like um, something that you have control over. So maybe you mm. want to, you know, um, your spouse and yeah. um, it doesn't matter if you go on lunch or dinner, you know, yeah. you know each other's timetables and just if you just switch it over to lunch, mm. then you can, you know, potentially yeah. save a good chunk of the price. And it's funny because me and my wife, um, you know, we used to ce- celebrate Valentine's Day less and less now, yes. but um, on one occasion, <laughs> I think we just delayed the dinner till like, Oh, the day before or after Valentine's Day, and just yeah, half the bill. oh, smart man, <laughs> smart man, <laughs> yeah, that's it. yeah, 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 that's great. Yeah. See, you, you know, if you, I think if we're a little bit conscious about what we're doing and what we're spending and when we spend it, yeah. then we can all do a little bit better, just a little bit. But you know, it's a butterfly yeah. effect. Like you save ten dollars a day. You save $70 a week and you save, you know, however much you save a year. Yeah, all adds up. Yeah, it all adds up. And and you also uh, mentioned that uh, eating, like, you know, shopping at the same place, keeping consistent, eating like kind of like similar things every week and you can Mm. uh, keep uh, close track on your grocery bills that way. I'm not proud of that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but but the, the, I'm not sure about the eating the same thing every week, but yeah, um, yeah. I do agree with that's, like, you know, the grocery say. bills. Yeah. Um, that, that makes sense. Like, um, yeah, do you have any tips on like, you know, um, where to buy groceries? Um, yeah. I used to think that, you know, Audi was the cheapest. So Audi used to be, you know, my, my go-to place. Yeah. And then I found out that um, this, uh, I think this, this butcher, uh, mm. like an Asian butcher near um, yes. my house. Oh, my um, God. They, they actually butchers. did the uh, uh, pork chops for so much cheaper. So instead mm. of like, uh, oh, I think it was $16 per kilogram at 
Audi. I think it yeah. was like half that at the Asian yeah. portrait because they had a special deal for, you know, a couple of kilograms. Um, did you, yeah, did you, I want to share some of those tips with us? Uh, like where to shop, you mean? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. Um, so my my parents are here in Australia. So they, they reside here as well, they're um, permanent residents. And um, before I didn't really, well, I did, but not that much because I didn't have time to, you know, actually shop around for groceries because, you know, I do it once a week and after work, I'm so tired. So just want to get it over and done with. But my parents have a lot more time to um, shop for groceries. So they share with me and um, yeah, they shop. I I don't know where you live. Are you in Sydney, may I ask? Oh, I'm, in, I'm in Sydney, yeah. Okay, good. Because they went to a butcher in Eastwood, yep. which is a suburb in Sydney. Yep. Um, probably you can Google where that is yep. if you're yep. not familiar. Yep. Um, yeah, I know it, yep. And yeah, the butchers there, um, they sell everything so much cheaper. Yeah. And um, also vegetables, Asian supermarket vegetables, so much cheaper. And my parents found a place that this is a lady, she wholesale seafood, uh, which is in Cabramatta, which is a Vietnamese town. And um, they got her phone number on Facebook <laughs> my parents um yeah I'm, I'm a little bit amazed so <laughs> they got her number on Facebook and she kind of sell uh salmon steak for ten dollars a kilo That's so awesome. uh, yeah so um well I can hook you up if maybe you should if, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah if yeah. you have time I'll ask my mom I might for the do that number. tricks of the trade yeah yes. yeah I gotta I gotta um work I gotta work on that myself yeah. Uh, I, um yeah we I, I always buy the groceries and um it adds up like, to save sometimes. time we yeah. don't really go around and shop around and I know that there are places that are a lot cheaper but I don't have time yeah. to go there gotcha. Gotcha. yeah but it sounds like some of the you know, Asian gro- uh, grocers and butchers in general have some decent deals. Mm. Uh, maybe Audi's better for like just, uh, you know, uh, some general stuff that you're looking for. Like yeah. it's got a big variety. But Absolutely. I find, I find the meats is not always the cheapest. Mm, no, no. And yeah. I don't like to eat the meat from Audi. I don't actually don't eat meat. George. Oh, right. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I try to minimize it. I'm not calling myself a vegetarian or a vegan. Mm, I, I, gotcha. I don't like to label myself because sometimes gotcha. if I do eat meat, then people go, oh, but you are vegetarian. What happened? Mm. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> come <Gotcha>. on. <laughs> yep. so, so you're saying that uh, sometimes the butchers can have fresher food, even fresher than, uh, you know, some of the supermarkets? Mm, yes, mm. yes. The Asian butchers, because their volume is high. They're selling mm. a lot. So their turnover is high of the meat. I mean, so it always comes fresh. Gotcha. Yeah. So I've been doing it all quality. wrong. Yeah, I've got, I've got a lot to think about. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Well, if you're happy to go to Eastwood. <laughs> yeah. And meat can be frozen. So yeah, you you can buy a lot of them. Gotcha. Gotcha. Mm. So, yeah, we'll, we'll get back to what I'm not so proud about uh, my eating the same thing every mm. every day, not every week. Yep. Um, so I am a control freak 
in terms yep. of my diet. Yeah. Um, I don't know how I do it. <laughs> Most mm. people looked at it and thought I was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. But there's always that uh, balance, right? Like the more, um, you know, people that treat like eating like an art and they have to eat, you know, something you know special every Friday night, something different, you know, every mm. week. They have to know that, you know, there's an expense attached to that habit. Yeah. You know, and and on the other side of the spectrum, we've got people like you, and and to be honest, myself, that uh, you just you just try to eat healthy, you try to eat clean. Yeah, um, it's not it's not nothing exciting, but mm. you know, there's a, there's a a lot less expense attached to that. So as long as people know that that expense is there, then you know, it's something that they can factor into their plans. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's like a cheat day. I know a lot of people have a cheat day where they eat like five kilos of steak. And um, yeah, well, I've got nothing against that. I mean, whatever keeps you going, right? But you got to plan for it. So if you got to have a cheat day, you've got to plan for it in terms of money. So eating the same thing every week is to make it easier to budget food money. But I also, because I also believe that the body does not like drama. So for me, a consistent and healthy diet eliminates decision-making, both for my brain, my money, and my gut. If something is not broken, not only will I not fix it, I will also automate it. And I think I've, I've got two birds with one stone in that area. I automated a part of my own diet and a part of my food budget as well. But that's just the tidbit. So... Um, I think it's the food and, you know, you can have fun with your food sometimes and your food budget is not going to be the same every week. It will change and vegetable prices go up and down. Yeah, um, what I want to go further with savings. So um, for most people, the most we can save is not in food don't do what I do I, I'm okay doing it but I don't advise everybody to do it we're all human um, yeah don't be a robot um, for most people the most we can save would be in areas where big checks come out every month or week and we just assume that we have to deal with it and that's nonsense I'm talking about the bills you need to know that you can shop around and, and negotiate on your regular payments and bills too because that's the area where people are most complacent. So shop around for the best deal and ask your current provider to price match. And if they don't, just switch. Um, yeah, yeah so, so that's insurances, you know, like health insurance, car yeah. insurance, yes. home insurance. Mm. And, and um, electricity Netflix, and gas electricity. and water, yep. bills, anything that comes regularly every month. Yeah. Yeah. If you can negotiate even your um, mortgage repayment. If yeah, you're that's on, big, yeah, that's probably, yeah, one of the – Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're on variable rate, which I advise everybody to go on a variable rate instead of a fixed one, Mm. because you have more negotiating uh, negotiating power that way, mm. then you can call up your bank and negotiate it. That's true. Mm. That's yeah. true. Yeah. When, you're, yeah. when you're fixed, they charge crazy costs to break out. So unless you're absolutely sure interest rates are going to go up, then, um, mm. yeah, the variable gives you a lot more power and can switch yeah. know, banks. Um, that, you know, 
a lot of times the only thing is just the credit rating. So that's probably the one thing that stops you from switching like, you know, multiple times every year. But yeah, yeah, from what I hear, you can switch at least like once a year. So Yeah, and, and that's yeah. too much already. Yeah. <laughs> the yeah. paperwork that comes with it. True. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any other areas of life that um you think like, you know, savings um, or you can, you know, make a big chip on savings? Um, and I, I do save money on my clothes by buying yep. them secondhand. Yep. 70% of them are secondhand. Mm. So that's an area where I save loads of money. Um, yep. of course you save even more money if you don't buy clothes. Yeah. That, that's a tall order and that's not something I would do myself. So True. yeah, I don't advise. Yeah, that's, that's it. Really? I don't yep. spend much. So I don't know what else to say. Like, <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. Good advice. Uh, Mickey, I'd like to switch gears a little bit and mm-hmm. talk about, you know, a subject that I know you're very passionate about mm. and that's uh, investing, mm. uh, you know, namely uh, ETF uh, investing. Yeah, fun. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, you mentioned uh, in the, earlier in the podcast that, you know, your strategy is very sort of long-term. You know, you like to diversify. Mm. Um, you know that the uh, market is volatile and you've put in – you know, a lot of stops to, you know, reduce risk uh, mm. when it comes to uh, the stock market. Yeah. Um, can you give us an overview of your strategy and, um, you know, some of these measures that you've taken to reduce risk? Mm. So um, I mentioned that I only invest in ETFs now, no more buying stocks. And I think a lot of young investors are going that way. I think it's safe and low maintenance because I value my time a lot. I think trading and buying penny stocks are like a second job. If I need money that badly, I'll just pick up a second job. Less stress that way. So the good thing about ETF investing is that it lets you automate the process without looking too much into the condition of the market. And let's face this, time is one of the most valuable assets one can have. If I could have a superpower, I'd choose the power to control time, anytime. If you want to spend extra time analyzing the market and the economy and the stocks and you enjoy doing it, by all means, go for it. But maybe the rest of us don't. I certainly don't enjoy it. So that's why I invest in a broad-based index ETF. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds Mm. good. Um, I completely agree. Um, with that, with that, um, you know, the trading always seemed like, you know, another like full-time uh, or another, another job on the mm. side to me and not a very good one at that because most traders actually lose money. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm well, probably on the same not page a lot of people, you. not a lot of traders will believe you and me, George. <laughs> they'll, they'll say, no, no, I've been earning money. I'm in the True stocks. <laughs> <laughs> um, in, when, when it comes to ETFs, um, I know, uh, you know, there's a few things to, to analyze and get your head around um, in the early stages. How do you analyze an ETF? What are the first things that you look at? The first thing that I would look at would be the fee. So, yeah, um, well, for ETFs, what you don't pay for is exactly what you get. And the fees should be the first and most important technical attribute of an ETF that you should look at. 
The thing I found about most ETFs is that they charge lower management fees if they're a broad-based index ETF, and it makes sense. So if it's a passive index ETF, it means there's less work involved for the manager, so less management fee. This is by no means true for all of them, but for most of them, yeah. So I consider 0.2% is on a lower end of my acceptable range, and 0.5% is on a higher end. And well, I'm pulling those numbers out of my ears. But anything higher than 0.5%, I will really think twice before I buy. So you don't always get what you pay for when it comes to investing. So in order to keep my investing expenses low, I'd rather go with a broad-based index ETF as opposed to an actively managed ETF. Sure, sure, yep. Mm. And um, okay, so yeah, between 0.2 and 0.5 when it comes to fees. Mm. Um, uh, what you know? Uh, let's say you found a bunch of ETFs uh, that fit within that range. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the next thing that you go uh, to look at after that? So you're asking about how I analyze the ETF, right? To see if it's fairly priced and whether I should buy it, right? Uh, that's 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 one I was going to ask as well. Yeah, so fairly priced, like PE ratio and price to book ratio. Um, do you look at those metrics when it comes to ETFs or not really? It depends on what ETF I'm looking at. So some some of the ETFs out there, those attributes will matter, but for some others, they matter less. So it really depends on what you want to do. Um, and who you are and what do you want out of your money. So um, my mantra is this. I buy an index ETFs when I have money and sell them when I need money. So I treat a stock market like a saving account where I put my money in and watch it grow rather than a roulette table where I don't know if I'm going to get my money back. So um, for broad-based index ETFs, um, it might sound crazy to a lot of people, but I always treat broad-based index ETFs as fairly priced any day and season of the year. So I know a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this, but um, that's talking about stocks. Yeah, Stocks are not and cannot always be fairly priced, but it's a totally totally different matter for index funds and index ETFs. So um, I believe that we cannot evaluate an ETF the way we do with stocks. So the only way to evaluate an ETF is how you think the index is going to perform for however long you want to keep your money in the market. It's plain and simple. If you want to get a little technical, you can look at the net assets value, the market cap, the liquidity, the weighting method, and so on and so forth. But I think most ETFs nowadays are on par with each other in terms of those attributes. If you choose one from a reputable provider, that that is also important. Um, But you know, we have a few to choose from. So we're spoiled for choice. Yeah, gotcha. Um, and I course, see where you're coming yeah. from uh, with that because, um, like you said, with the interest rates uh, where uh, where they are at today, mm. um, you know, more and more people are starting to use ETFs like a savings account. So the ETF has sort of, you know, become like 
the new savings account. So mm. with this new money going into ETFs, mm. you know, not just from personal uh, uh, investors, but, you know, super funds, pension funds, you know, yeah. all around the world and things like that. It's yeah. hard to evaluate with um, the same metrics, you know, the traditional metrics of PE below 15 and things like that. Yeah, no. Um, because yeah, it basically I don't think that has yeah. become a savings account for people. So, yeah, mm. I see where yeah. you're coming from. Yeah. Um, you, you then mentioned um, – you know, uh, the reputability of uh, the brand of the mm-hmm. of the ETF and yeah. why that matters a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, can you uh, go into, you know, take us through like why that matters a little bit and why a more reputable ETF might be a bit safer than a new one? Uh, because um, if it's a reputable provider, then you know that they've been around for a long time and they do the right thing by their investors. Yeah. And they have high liquidity and so on and so forth. So that's a leg up. Um, Well, in terms of the ETF itself as a unit, as a single unit, as an an ETF, um, well, just pick ones that's been around for more than five, six years and you should be fine because if it's younger than that, we don't know how long is going to be around and we have no historical numbers to look at to kind of evaluate the ETF so yeah that that's just a no for me but some other people out there might like to go for those ETFs because they're new and hot and that's fine too. And uh, Mickey when I um, think about ETFs I've noticed that some of them you know are sort of covering country by country uh, I also recognize that some of them are sort of like even more broad and uh, just cover uh, a lot of countries um, mm. all around the world. Yeah. Um, you know, um, how, what's your approach to sort of ETF investing? Do you just go for, you know, the, the fund that covers um, as many countries as possible around the world? Or do you sort of approach it like on uh, in terms of continents and countries that you're bullish on? Uh, yeah, I have to admit that I am a little bit bullish on American companies and Australian companies. Uh, yeah, it's just uh, my bias. I I like to invest in those companies because there's a lot of news and media going on and I kind of think, I think that I have an idea about how the e- these ETFs are going to perform. I think I know, but for um, other ETF that ETFs that cover um, a large amount of countries, um, I'm a bit skeptical because I don't know enough about those countries to put my money in. Put it that way. Like say, this is just an an example that came up um, off the top of my mind, which is China. Yeah, you hear a lot about. China, Chinese companies and how they're growing. But I don't know enough about the country and other aspects of the country that the ETF, the companies in the ETFs are operating in. So I, it's like complete um, uncharted territory for me. So, I, yeah, I try to stay away from things that I don't know enough about. Mm. Um, yeah, I, I see where you're coming from because uh, I look at the breakdown of my super fund mm. and, um, you know, whether you select the balanced option or the growth option, mm. it's always, you know, like when it comes to stocks, 
are pretty much centered around America and Australia. So that's a big sign. So, you know, if it's superannuation, one of the things that, you know, most Australians are holding the uh, portion of their wealth and looking to retire on one day, if Mm. those funds and all those people researching it are putting, you know, companies in these two countries, there's got to be a reason for that. And I think it it makes sense to to go with that. And I think a lot of people in the FIRE movement uh, that I've seen they when they do like an ETF in their personal name, a lot mm. of them, you know, have portfolios that are centered around, you know, these yeah. two countries, you know, yeah. Australia and US. So Yeah. I see I, and I think that's sensible. I, yeah. Well, we investors like to play it safe. Yeah. <laughs> Admit it. We're, we're not very um, risky people when we yeah. don't like to live life on the edge. So yeah. <laughs> so whenever when there's something unknown our natural reaction to things that we don't know is to stay away. Yeah, and that's smart. Yeah, you know? and yeah, I think that's risk. just common sense. That's, yeah. that's just how human operate, really. Mm. Um, yeah, some people sure. might, you know, like go crazy and gung-ho on other stuff, but I, I don't yeah. know that though. So gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. And within the Australian uh, companies and U.S. companies, there's obviously, uh, you know, funds that cover different sectors. Mm -hmm. Um, You've talked about this in some of your videos as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I take it that you prefer a broad sector versus ones that are sort of, you know, more tech heavy, for example. Correct. Uh, Well, that's not what I agree with your um, former statement that I like broad broad sector. Yep. But um, I like tech. I, I have yep. no problem with tech. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, well, it is how our society is going to evolve, isn't it? Mm. So um, we can't avoid it. It's, it's yep. coming and it's already here and it will just integrate into everybody's life, whether we mm. like it or not. So I don't avoid tech. Yeah. Um, but you don't just invest in tech either. Right. Um, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I think the nature of the technology industry is that um, is is very. It has a very fast turnover. So right now, the Fang companies, like the biggest five um, technology companies on earth, they might not be there forever. And that's how I think about it. Um, just thinking how much um, the technology industry has evolved and well before Tesla was like what nothing and then now it's within the span of a year it became huge so I think um, they will not be there forever so I try not to concentrate too much on the top um, when I invest in tech because I went on to the NASDAQ 100 website and um, apparently when they analyzed their own um, index, NASDAQ 100, they said that the companies that generated the most growth in the index were the companies that are the bottom 50 of the index, not the top 50. So, you, yeah, so you see where um, the dynamic of the technology sector how it is playing out, um, if you focus on the top ones, then um, you're missing out on some of the growth of the, you know, like not bottom, but like yeah. the, the lesser I mean, ones. I mean, yeah. 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 So um, that's why I don't like to try to 
focus on and that's why i don't like to invest in fang but yeah yeah Gotcha. Uh, yeah. So um, uh, as far as I uh, can, can take it so far, so you know you're you know sort of more bullish on Australia and US because you understand these economies better and they're obviously well developed. Um, but mm. within these countries, you prefer to go for you know broad sector rather than mm. focusing on you know uh, specific industries. Yeah. Um, but you still go for blue chips, obviously. You know, large companies. Yeah. Rather than I'm, small I'm caps. risk averse. Yeah. I don't yeah. like risk. Too much is not good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. Yeah. And uh, just a further question. Um, how do you decide, you know, whether to offset and whether to put it in the index fund? Is there like a breakdown that you use or? Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. that's, that's, that's a, that's a um, hard one that I, I, mm. I, um, I struggle with because like when you have uh, debt to do with property, yeah. um, you know, the safest thing, like, you know, the thing that's for sure is to just pay it off and put the money in the yeah. offset hmm. um and you know when you um you know if you're trying to grow it a little bit quicker and get above average returns then hmm. you sort of you know can put it into a into the stock market yeah um, how do you how do you decide that uh what is happening is that you know i have my emergency fund in my offset account so is there and i top it up every payment every paycheck i have i top it up and if that ever exceeds my emergency fund i take the extra bit out and i invest that if it goes under i'll top it up but i always make sure that i have my emergency fund in there and the rest of it i invest because i try not to um, focus too much on the mortgage because you know how the Australian government is really regulating the banks and try not to get them to become evil and just do whatever they want, like what happened in America. Um, so we're really regulated in terms of the finance um, sector. So I'm not too worried that the mortgage and the housing industry is going to go haywire i'm not too worried about that and right now we're getting really good interest rate on our mortgage which means that um a lot of people actually go out and borrow extra to invest yeah um, but I you haven't gone that far you um no you're not, no yeah you're not yeah. borrowing against the house to invest you're just no um, yeah. Yeah. yeah i i haven't gone that far and i think it's a bit too much i mean yeah, it's, it's too aggressive. Um, I just like to go with the flow and, you know, just do the sensible things. If you think about it, the borrowing rate is about 2.5% now, depending on how much you borrow and what bank you go with. Um, and the rate that you invest in the stock market would be 6 to 7%, hopefully, um, per year. So um, that's a no-brainer, right? You, you know where you should put your money in. Mm, but then I, again, I'm not really sure about what's going to happen in the future. So that's why I like to err on the safe side. And um, yeah, just you know, allocate my money whenever um, the need arises. True, true. And also, I guess it, uh, a big part of it comes down to you know how big 
of uh, a mortgage you have and when you bought the house kind of thing. So if you bought the house, you know, a while ago and, you know, mm. you have a bit of equity sitting in there, yeah. then um, you can, you know, um, be a little bit more, more sure that if you, you know, yes. put money not in the offset account, then you're going to be okay. Mm. But if you're more, you know, you just bought a house recently and it's going, you know, gone down a little bit in value mm. and it's like a million dollars, yeah, that's, that's different. So, yeah, yeah, I guess it's like case by case. Yeah, it really so. depends on when you really bought your property exactly. and all that so timing yeah. really matters a lot in terms of yeah. that but yeah, yeah it, that's one to of the uh, yeah each to their own yeah that's one of the questions i like to ask you know um, investors and people in the fire movement that balance between mortgage investment property uh, debt and paying off the offset account versus investing in the stock market but it's mm. case by case and you know like it depends yeah. on the size of the mortgage how much equity is in there yeah and also how much you can the, afford to pay your bank how much you can afford to pay the bank, uh, whether you have dependents, how, how secure yeah. is your job, you know, That's job true. security. Yep. So, yeah, it's a tough yep. one. It's a tough yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. Really depends on personal situation. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Okay. Well, um, you know, in closing, is there one piece of advice that you'd like to leave for um, a newbie when it comes to investing in the stock market? Uh, well, my first and foremost advice is that be safe out there and take care of yourself. You know, <laughs> I, I know that some of you might be young and um, you think that you have all the time in the world and whatever you lose, you will be able to earn it back, which is true. That is true. But why would you have to learn from your own mistakes where there are other people's mistakes out there that you've heard so much about and you can learn from that, why would you have to make your own mistake? Um, yeah, that's, that's the thing about it. So that's why I need to um, emphasize on the um, importance of learning and acquiring new knowledge and listening to people who've been there, done that. Wise words, wise words. Uh, so there you have it, Mickey Huynh, everyone. Um, check out her YouTube channel if you're, you know, looking for um, unbiased sort of investment advice from someone that is an investor herself. Thank you so much, Mickey, for coming to the show. And thanks, guys, for uh, tuning in. Uh, keep an eye out for my future episodes coming out in the coming weeks. <laughs>